Welcome to the Cold Brew Podcast. It is November 5th. I'm Dave Gasper, joined as always by Matt Carroll, and we are the editors at ReviewingTheBrew.com again. Yes, that's right. Both of us, the the two editors at ReviewingTheBrew.com. Isn't that right, Matt? That is right. Um, we are back. Uh, was able to apply recently. Um, I know I mentioned a few episodes about getting a sweet little promotion at work, and that promotion at work has now kind of given me my free time back uh, outside of work. And so um, we are back in the saddle, baby. So excited back in the to, saddle again. Yeah, excited to uh, dive back in, get some more content out there, um, kind of work with some of our awesome contributors. We've had a couple new ones since then. Uh, excited to work with them. So looking forward to it, especially as uh, the off season hits here, because there's going to be plenty of content over the next few months. So, yes, we are completely back now, able to keep on going uh, with the uh, you're able to keep it going, keep on going with the podcast the whole time, which has been great. Uh, but now I'm going to, you know, have you back helping out with the with the site and articles and yeah, a lot of stuff coming up here uh, with the off season. Uh, really excited, really looking forward to that. Um, so should be it should be good. And there's you know been some big news you know over the past week um, that we that we've really kind of had to go over uh, on the site and now obviously on here. And obviously one of the biggest pieces of news this past week, Avisail Garcia has decided to decline his end of the mutual option uh, that he reached once he reached a uh, plate appearance threshold back in September. Uh, So he has declined his $12 million option, and he will become a free agent. Coming off a career year, Matt, 29 homers, uh, 262 average, 820 OPS, 86 RBIs, 68 runs scored. The, The home runs, RBIs, and runs scored, those were all career highs for him. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on, uh, Garcia, uh, deciding to uh, opt out and become a free agent? I mean, it's all, it's what all of us were pretty much expecting, right? Um, Avi <clears throat> second best season of his career. I think, uh, pretty easy to argue, um, by, uh, baseball reference war. It was definitely the second best season of his career. Um, probably, I, I, what would you say? Maybe the second best hitter on the team this season, outside of maybe Adamas. You could make yeah. a, maybe a solid, strong argument that he was the best hitter, if uh, considering he was there all year. Um, yeah. it, one of the most reliable bats to have in that lineup. So, um, he proved himself huge, huge bounce back from a disappointing 2020. But then again, who on the Brewers didn't have a disappointing 2020 for the most part? So. Um, we kind of saw this coming, and he will look to make some money in free agency, and he definitely should by all rights. Yeah, I mean he's gonna—he's 30 years old um, right now, and for a 30-year-old out, corner outfielder, uh, this may be his his best chance to land a long-term multi-year uh, contract. I mean he reached free agency. Uh, at a younger age, a couple years ago, and the Bruce signed him to kind of a shorter term deal, you know, with, with kind of the plans like, OK, if you sign just kind of a two year deal there, you can still hit free agency um, at, at a decent time and, you know, still end up getting another another nice payday. And Garcia did that. He put up a career year um, in a walk year. So uh, he's going to be looking to to make some money to cash that in. Um, and it's really kind of his last chance. And, you know, if he took the option and came back for another year, you know, then he's going to be 31 
next offseason. It's going to make it much harder to get a four-year deal for a corner outfielder. And he may not be coming off a great season then next year. You know, say he comes back, puts up kind of mediocre numbers, and then you're also 31. It's going to make it a whole lot tougher to to get the contract you want. So by by entering free agency now, um, it, it really kind of makes a lot of sense for him. Uh, but now I think the question is for the Brewers is do they give him a qualifying offer? Qualifying offer is set at $18.4 million uh, for this year. It's a one-year contract. The Brewers can offer that to him. If he declines, then the Brewers would get draft pick compensation when he signs elsewhere. If he accepts, then he comes back to Milwaukee, but he earns $6.4 million more than what he would have gotten um, under the, the option. And then the Brewers can't offer that to him again next year. But there's kind of a risk either way, either, you know, for him to accept it, for him to decline it. Um, And since there's that chance that he could possibly accept it, it's also risky for the Brewers, especially given their payroll situation, to even offer it in the first place. Uh, Matt, what are your thoughts? Do you think the Brewers should offer uh, Avi Garcia a qualifying offer? Oh, that is... Tough. I mean, that you nailed it. Like, there's risks for both parties in this, for Avi and mm-hmm. for the Brewers. But, um, you know, we're talking Brewers, so we focus on the Brewers side here. And <clears throat> if you, if he does end up accepting that qualifying offer, and he has reasons to, you know, it, it makes him a lot of money. Obviously, he stays somewhere he's familiar. He stays with some teammates, um, you know, that he uh, enjoys being around and familiar with, like you know, Adamus when he came over. Um, just for starters, um, and that really puts the Brewers in a tough situation then through the rest of free agency. Who else do you have room to sign, um, Mm -hmm. especially going into arbitration season when the Brewers have, um, you know, it was 14 names out there of guys who they have to consider for arbitration and a lot of them being key pieces. So, you know, there's going to be some tough non-tender decisions there. That's a lot of money that's going to start building up. Um, and then, as we've talked about before, the looming extension decisions for players like Burns and Woodruff. Um, so, but that, I mean, that uh, draft pick is awfully tempting. I don't know. I, if I would say no, personally. You'd say no? I think, I, I don't think they do it. Um, but I mean, if they do it and he accepts, you get one of your best offensive players back. Is he going to repeat then, though? after last year it's tough i mean there's there's so many factors that this is one of the more interesting i think qualifying offer decisions we've seen for a while yeah and the brewers really haven't had too many to make either their free agents haven't been worth it or they've already had it previously um or um it's it's just kind of been you know I don't think they've ever given out a qualifying offer to to any of their free agents since uh, I, I would have to research that more. A, a better podcast host would have uh, looked that up before <laughs> starting here, but um, I'll do that later. I'll, I'll do that before I write the article on this because um, I haven't written that yet. But um, I, I think I think for me, I'd do it. Um, hmm. And, and I'll, I'll tell you why. So, I mean, when it comes to the the big salary there, um, if he accepts, you know, if Garcia accepts, first of all, I think they're going to have to move one of Kane or Bradley if he accepts, because there is simply not enough room in the payroll to have Yelich, 
um, Kane, Bradley, and Garcia at $18 million um, while also paying everyone else on the roster. I mean, that, that's an expensive outfield. So you'd have to move one of those guys to, to kind of clear some payroll. And But when it comes to the outfield situation looking forward, Garcia would then be a free agent next year, as well as Kane and Bradley, if both remain or if one's or if only one remains, they'd still be a free agent after next year. So then those two would then be gone after 2022, which would leave two outfield openings, which would be right around the time that Garrett Mitchell and Joey Weimer and all these other Brewers prospects, you know, Corey Ray, possibly if he can stay healthy, um, all these other Brewers prospects are ready to really kind of fill some spots on the, on the big league roster. So, I mean, with what they have coming up, because, I mean, Weimer's a right fielder. You know, he's got a cannon for an arm. Uh, he, he, he's he got the power bad. He's a corner outfielder. Um, Mitchell, the, the plan is in center field. And you also got Freelich behind him. Um, but by by doing this, by having Garcia just kind of for one more year or just kind of a one-year fill-in, um, it, it kind of leaves it open for those guys to take spots in the future. Now, if you go with someone else, you know, like I know there's been a lot of rumors about like Nick Castellanos um, or, you know, one of these kind of big name, like you sign a big name outfielder to a multi-year deal. Well, now that's clogging up another one of your big league outfield spots. And then your prospects that you've been developing uh, for so long, then it's like now they don't have a spot. And I know, you know, you got established big league guys versus prospects. You don't know what they're going to be. But at some point, you have to give those young kids a chance, especially with how much money these other guys are, are now going to be making. The, the haters, the Woodruffs, the Burns, the Adamases, um, all these guys, they're going to be making a lot more. So you need to fill in with cheaper talent. And that's where those prospects come in. So, you know, I, I think for for one more year, I, I think they just need a one year fill in uh, for right field. And if that's Garcia, great. If not, you can find someone else. Um, but that's where I think the risk of him accepting that qualifying offer is worth it, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I think the question is, do you think you can get by with the combination of Bradley Jr. and Tyrone Taylor, who proved a lot last year? I think mm-hmm. that I, I, I think back to, you know, some of the podcast episodes we actually put out at the beginning of 2021, where we were kind of saying, you know what, Tyrone Taylor, they've seen a lot of what they've seen out of him, but to this point in his career and we're just, you know, at this point, is he really even a major league outfielder? He answered that question and then some, so um, do you, do you think you can get by with that and then use the savings on the Avi money somewhere else in the lineup, be it a, you know, hopeful designated hitter, someone else to play for, you know, whatever. Um, Or is that the smartest use of that money is bringing him back and then ensuring that that's a lineup spot that's solid again. And so, um, yeah, a lot of risk in going either way, but like I said, it'll be interesting. I, I definitely see your point of view from it. Like it's, it, it, if I would not be disappointed, let's say, if mm-hmm. Avisail Garcia came back, I'm not saying they shouldn't offer him the qualifying offer, um, but I but, but if you were in Stearns' it. shoes, if I were Stearns, correct. Yeah, I yeah. I would be going a different direction. It's just a lot of money to put up. 
Fair enough. Yeah. You know, especially, I mean, it's, it's easier for us to say when it's not our money, you know, <laughs> True. When, when you're Mark on Nazio, it's like, eh, I don't know about this. Um, but yeah, certainly, uh, certainly going to be an interesting decision. And, and I mean, they really could go, uh, either way, uh, a little bit of breaking news, I guess, cause this is just happening as we're recording here, Matt, I don't know if you've seen this yet. I, um, I think I know what you're about to say. Cause I, yeah, I the saw one too. Chicago Cubs yep. have claimed old friend Wade Miley off waivers from Cincinnati and he's got a $10 million club option for next year. Um, and the Cubs are going to be picking it up, but so the Reds just put Miley on waivers rather than making a decision on his option or trying to trade him and get something in return. Instead, they put him on waivers and he goes to a division rival essentially for free. What the hell are the Reds doing? I, it's been one of the more mind-boggling things. Like we expected the Cubs to eventually end up, uh, you know, rebuilding, and then it ended up being, mm-hmm. you know, accelerating a little bit more than maybe a lot of us expected when they had that mid-season swoon last year. Um, it's not that the Reds were, you know, out of this world great last year, but they were competing. They, you know, they were on our heels for quite some time there in the mm-hmm. middle of the summer and they by it appeared that they were within a contention window at some point over the last couple seasons and <laughs> not anymore. No. I, I just, man, that's, that's surprising. It, it, everything, all of their off season moves for the last couple years made it look like they were going for it. And now they mm-hmm. have really quickly completely turned that in the opposite direction. Yeah. I mean, uh, Nick Castellanos opted out there I mean, like, you know, they, they signed Castellanos, they signed Mike Moustakis, uh, you know, they, they brought in all these guys, uh, they brought in Sonny Gray, brought in, you know, Miley, brought in all these people and really kind of, you know, nothing happened. Everything was kind of like stalled out over there. And they just traded Tucker Barnhart the other day mm-hmm. for uh, a prospect in Nick Quintana, who uh, in two seasons in the minor leagues has a batting average of 190. Um, he has not hit at all since being a second round pick. Um, so it's, it's really kind of, it's like, that's all you got for Tucker Barnhart on a seven and a half million dollar option. Like that's not that expensive. You know, it's, it's somewhat expensive, but it's not that much that you couldn't get something more than Nick Quintana. Um, but you know, Hey, whatever, if the Reds want to kind of go the way of the Pittsburgh pirates, that's, you know, fine by me. Um, one less team to, to worry about. Yeah. Um, uh, but Zach Davies is off to a uh, free agency. So they apparently had to just grab another ex-brewer starter to throw into that rotation against yeah, us. The course, Cubs did. Cause they just have to. They just have yeah. To. All right. Uh, back to the brewers um, and uh, their situation, Jackie Bradley jr. As we've kind of talked about a little bit here, he opted in. Uh, he picked up his player option uh, for 2022, meaning he will be back uh, next year. And, you know, it's unfortunate that the guy who had one of the best seasons on the team decides to opt out and leave. And the guy who had the absolute (laughs) worst season uh, decides uh, that he's going to stay. Um, So, you know, it it was a really bad year all the way around for Jackie Bradley Jr. 163 batting average, 34 OPS plus, uh, 497 OPS. Um, he's going to be making nine and a half million next year. I mean, he's going to have, he's got some deferrals in there, but you know, the, the total overall salary is nine and a half million. And he's got an $8 million buyout for 2023. 
Um, so he's got a guaranteed $17.5 million left on his deal. And, you know, we'll kind of see what happens, and, and hopefully he can right the ship next year. But uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. Is, is going to be back in place of Abby Garcia. He, he can't do much worse, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, We say that, and then, yeah. There's nowhere to go but up. Pretty much. I, and again, a move that is not surprising. We all saw this coming because there's not a lot of teams out there that are expressing interest in giving out a high dollar contract to a guy who just had an OPS plus of 34, as you mentioned. So, you know, at, at the very least, we get to retain a potential gold glove outfielder. He is still um a finalist for gold glove in center field this season. So we're waiting to see if he's going to win that. I don't think he's going to win it over um, Bader from the Cardinals personally. Um, But, you know, that's the quality of defense that you have out there. And so you do have that. Like I said, hopefully he ends up improving offensively because he almost has no choice but to do that. Um, But yeah, that was a really rough season from him. And and we needed him a lot more than, you know, we were expecting. He ended up playing 134 games for the Brewers. Um, That's a lot, you know, for a guy who essentially came in fourth on the depth chart. Now, we knew based off of injuries and how um, the team rotates their outfielders that fourth on the depth chart and the Brewers outfield is still going to get a crap load of playing time. Um, But he didn't do a whole lot with it. So he's back. We'll see what happens and hopefully things improve because they, they really have to for the amount of money he's going to be making. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they're, they're really going to need it to happen. And it's not looking like his uh, mutual option for 2023 is going to be uh, picked up. Um, but that $8 million buyout is quite high. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it, it's a lot of money that's got to be paid. You know, perhaps Bruce could try to trade him, but you know, he's more of a, a bad contract being attached to a valuable asset kind of kind of thing. You know, like he'd be attached with like a Josh Hader or something in a trade mm-hmm. if you were going to move him. And I don't think the Brewers are entirely inclined to attach a bad contract to a Josh Hader trade if they make one, um, because they're going to want maximum possible value for Josh Hader. Right. And attaching Bradley does not help you achieve that. Um, so... We'll kind of see what happens, but um, so if Garcia is gone and, you know, like either he rejects a qualifying offer or they don't offer it to him, um, you have an outfield of Yelich Kane, Jack Bailey Jr. and Tyrone Taylor. Do you think they need more than that? Do, do they need to sign somebody or, or trade for somebody uh, to fill in um, in right field there, fill in that gap for Garcia? Or do you think that Taylor can step up into that role and be a solid everyday starter in right field um, with Jackie Bradley still kind of, you know, milling around as a, as a number four guy? I think he can, and I think it's nice to have that righty-lefty um, combination between the two, mm-hmm. but we all know that Stearns loves stockpiling outfielders. He loves it. Mm. It's one of his favorite things to do uh, <laughs> as GM. So I, I, I think it, it's hard not to expect that he's going to grab someone. Now, who that'll be, uh, it's hard to say. You know, does he try and get, you know, someone on a few million dollar contract? Is he looking for 
something bigger than that. I don't know, but um, I I feel like they could get by and use the money elsewhere. I would just love, God, I just wish we knew if we were having a DH next year so that we could build a roster towards that. Obviously, we know we're not finding out about that anytime soon, um, but it would just be super duper helpful. Um, well, it could be sometime but, soon. Yeah, no, I, I don't have faith based off of how the negotiations to start the COVID season went that they will yeah. settle on anything anytime in the uh near future so yeah we got less um, than a month now the the cba expires december 1st um if they can get to a deal by then that'd be fantastic mm -hmm. um, but once they do reach a deal we'll know about the dh um and then also i mean if even if there is a lockout you know like say the lockout takes you know a couple of weeks or, or a month or so that, i mean that's going to put a transaction freeze on everything mm -hmm. um, but then once it starts up you're going to know is there a dh or isn't there um, so, I mean, you can really kind of then just go from there. So I'm hoping there will be, um, and I'm hoping there will not be a lockout. Um, but, um, my, I, I'm not betting, uh, on there, uh, not being a lockout. So yeah, we'll see, but yeah. Yeah. So that would, I think, help again with the roster building and where you want to allocate that money. Um, but, uh, I have I have faith in Taylor now. I, I maybe didn't at the beginning of last season. I do now. He came up in a lot of big moments last season, and so he appears ready to step in. Um, and that gives you then four quality outfielders. Um, yes, I'm going to include Bradley Jr. in that because he, he is a major league veteran at this point. Um, quality defender. Quality defender at the very least, right. Yep. Um, and so, you know, you've got four solid outfielders then. And so... You know, where do you then uh, move the money around? Maybe they want to invest in the bullpen a little bit more again. Um, we do have uh, Brad Boxberger uh, moving on, I believe. Mm. I, I did see yep. it correctly, Boxberger right? Boxberger and, okay. uh, and Strickland. Yeah. And I Colin Ray. Right. Yes. Most importantly. Um, <laughs> so, you know, we've got Hayter and Devin Williams. Um, Cousins emerged quite a bit. He'll probably play a big role. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if they tried to throw a little bit, bit of money at that. Um, and just really go all in on the strong pitching. Um, I don't know. We'll see. But I, I do I do feel good about Taylor. If he was going to be our fourth outfielder next year, I would I would feel OK. Yeah. But I mean, he may end up getting a, a starting type job and, and playing a bit more often out there in right field. And, you know, he's I think he's solid enough that he could handle that. And I think at some point you got to give him that opportunity. Mm -hmm. um, but it also will kind of depend on Jackie Bradley Jr. and how he's hitting. Because it, if Jack Bailey Jr. starts hitting again, uh, given what they're paying him, he's going to be playing over Tyrone Taylor. Um, but getting Jack Bailey back on that kind of track may depend on the hitting coach uh, that they hire. And speaking of, uh, there is a hitting coach uh, that, that just became that just became available this past week. Who knows Jackie Bradley Jr. pretty mm -hmm. well? Um, and I am, of course, speaking of one Tim Hires, uh, who has been the hitting coach uh, with the Boston Red Sox for the past four seasons, starting in 2018. He decided not to return to the Red Sox this year. The Red Sox offered him to come back. He said, no, I'm going to pursue other opportunities. And it's like, wow, OK, this guy is on the open market, not because he was fired, because his offense sucked, but because he wanted to look elsewhere um, the Red Sox have led Major League Baseball in runs per game uh, over the last four years under his leadership. 
And, you know, it sounds pretty, pretty interesting to me. But so I saw this news and I was doing a little little research on it. Um, and, you know, it's like, OK, who's this Tim Hires guy? You know, I haven't really heard his name that much. Uh, so let's look into it. So I found Alex Spire's uh, article um, at the Boston Globe. All right. So I'm looking into it's like, OK, you know, he, he declined the software. Let, let's learn a little bit about this guy. And I'm reading through and I, and I reached this paragraph. All right. And, and here here's here's exactly what it says here from the article on the Boston Globe. Quote, in his first season, hires helped overhaul the approaches of Red Sox hitters such as Mookie Betts and Xander Bogarts, helping them to identify pitches they could drive rather than the ground ball heavy approaches that preceded his arrival. Mm. All right. Let's stop right <laughs> there. Full stop. I have heard Everything that I need to hear. Let's let's print off this contract. Get the printer rolling. Let someone get this man a pen. Mark, find your checkbook. Let's do this. Yep. David Stearns should have already brought this guy to Carnivore Steakhouse in downtown <laughs> Milwaukee to wine and dine him and get him ready to come here and be the hitting coach. I'm on the absolute same page. They should be doing everything they can to get this guy in right now. Um, I, I believe I had, I had seen it, it was probably through you, um, that there's potentially a, uh, um, I think it was like a college position or some mm-hmm. other position he was possibly interested in. Do what you need to do to convince him that this is the route to go. You want to be in Milwaukee. You can work with Christian Yelich. You can work with Keston Hira, first, former first round pick. Willie Adamas, keep you can get Jackie Bradley blossom. Jr. out of the basement. Right. I mean, like, look at everything you would have to work with and all the fun you would have um, to be able to do this and raise your profile for your potential um, next higher position. I mean, get him here, David. Please, I know you're an avid <laughs> listener. Make it happen. Yeah, and and just like a Billy Mays OxyClean commercial, but wait. There's more. Okay, <laughs> reading through this article here, there, there's more here about him that you're that, that you just love. All right, m- reading from the article here. Quote: Opposing evaluators raved about the versatile approach the Sox employed under Hires, who is viewed as a standout both in discussing swing mechanics and dissecting opposing pitchers' plans of attack. Hires, at the behest of J.D. Martinez, started holding daily hitters meetings in 2018 in which position players and coaches would get together prior to every game to break down the opposing starter. It was a setting that members of a detail-oriented team came to view as a significant contributor to the franchise record win total and 2018 championship. How can you not love this man? Yeah. I mean, uh, it is it is everything that this Brewers offense has been missing with their swing mechanics, with dissecting opposing pitchers' plans of attack. We saw it in the NLDS. We saw it all throughout the season. They seem to have no plan of attack against some of these starters. They they had nothing for Max Freed. I mean, he's very good, but you have to have something. Like, they just look completely lost. A lot of these guys look lost throughout the entire season. I mean, it's that's exactly what this team needs, and that's exactly what Tim Hires brings. So I am on the hashtag hire hires bandwagon. I am leading this charge. This is this is the guy that we want. Yeah, I, I, that was a great point about um, the Brewers' plans against Freed and then Ian Anderson as well. Yeah. Um, and how like you know you knew 
for the most part what those two were going to do. And yet, for whatever reason, the Brewers just had no plan of attack on it. And would a, a pitching coach like him have been able to put some of those uh, batters in a better position? Guys who have a history of being good hitters and shouldn't just have been baffled so easily. Um, yeah, I'm with it. I'm all about the hashtag. Let's go. Let's get it out yep. there everywhere. Yeah, I, I know previously uh, we were on a Jacob suggestion of a uh, Dustin Lind, and I mean he's still he's still a quality candidate. You know, don't get me wrong, but you know with, with hires, you know that that's an experienced uh, guy. You know, Lind. I mean he's younger, he's up and coming, but he hasn't been like the the top hitting coach um, at the big league level, whereas hires has been. Um, so I, I think that kind of also uh, makes me like hires a little bit more. Um, but also, I mean, okay, so he, he said that he left because he wanted to pursue other opportunities. And, you know, it could potentially be college. And, I mean, depending on where you go, if you're leading a D1 college baseball program, that can be pretty lucrative. Um, it, it, it may even be a lot more lucrative than a major league hitting coach job. Um, but, but, I mean, if we're looking around the league here for hitting coaches, um, by my last count, and I could be missing some teams here, but by my, by my last count, there are five hitting coach openings still currently out there. A lot of teams have, have already hired someone else, the Diamondbacks, the Phillies, the Indians, the the Twins, the Cubs. You know, they, they've all replaced uh, their hitting coaches already. So there are five teams still currently with openings um, that, that, that I know. You got the Brewers, you have the New York Mets, the Pittsburgh Pirates, the Baltimore Orioles, and the New York Yankees. Okay, so just just looking at these teams one by one, the New York Mets are not looking at hitting coaches right now. They're trying to find a president of baseball ops first, and that search is going horribly. Um, <laughs> but once they once they do find someone there, then they're going to hire a manager, and then that manager is going to start interviewing for his staff and looking for a hitting coach. So hitting coach is far down on the totem pole there. Plus, the Mets are an absolute disaster. I don't think anyone really wants to go there. Um, the Pirates are not an attractive destination. I mean, that, that's a rebuilding club that's several years away. Um, so unless he really likes a, a project that is not going to work out, um, then the, the Pirates aren't really a place for him. Ditto for the Orioles. I mean, that, that place has just been a mess for so many years. Um, and they, you know, it's like, ooh, you got Adley Rutschman coming up. But, I mean, really, what else? You know, the, the, they don't really have too much else uh, going their way down there in Baltimore. So I don't think that's going to be an attractive destination for him. And then you got the Yankees, who have been his arch rival for the last four years because he was just with the Red Sox. Um, and, you know, like, I mean, they're a contending team. They are, you know, a historic franchise. But would he really leave the Red Sox just to go to the Yankees to be their hitting coach? I honestly don't think so. So really, I, I think the most attractive option uh, for hires would be Milwaukee uh, when it comes to, to big league hitting coach openings. I, I think that's the most attractive place out there uh, for, for candidates because uh, you got a contending team. You got some really talented hitters um, that could really use some help. Um, and you got really kind of a lot to look forward to out here. And, and everyone kind of raves about the everyone raves about about the culture. Um, everyone raves about, you know, what what they're building here. Um, and that word has gotten around the league. Um, so I'm sure that there are plenty of interested candidates. Uh, we obviously haven't heard of, you know, anyone being interviewed yet because the Brewers are, uh, you know, you know, we, they, they like to keep things close to the vest. 
but that's got to be the most attractive spot out there for hitting coaches right now. It's got to be Milwaukee. Yeah, and we probably won't hear who's been interviewed until they actually announce the new hitting coach, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I totally agree. I think of those other teams, I mean, to me, the one that might be at least a little bit attractive, I will give some credit to Baltimore. I think between Rushman coming up, um, they do have a couple good uh, young hitters in uh, Ryan Mountcastle and Cedric Mullins over there. They're just names you don't hear a whole lot because they're the mm-hmm. Orioles. Um, so if he were to want to go to a team who's had multiple, you know, high draft picks recently and, you know, some potential um, hitting talent in the pipeline, sure, um, you can try and go over there. But again, I think the selling point, like you mentioned right there at the end, could be, you know, the culture and getting to work uh, with a manager like Craig Council. You know, Craig Council puts a lot of trust in his coaches. He kind of lets them do their thing. Um, he's not a micromanager by any means. Um, so I think hires would be able to come here um, and have some autonomy and really be able to work with those hitters. Plus, you know, this is a, a manager who should have by all rights won multiple uh, NL manager of the year awards by now. He just mm-hmm. keeps, it just keeps turning out that, you know, every year there's some manager who ends up completely flipping um, around another team. And so like this year, it's, I think a lot of people believe it's going to be Gabe Kapler again, yeah. or not again, but this season. Um, and so, but to get to work with council, who is obviously a talented enough manager to, you know, be in consideration for that every year um, and have his team competing for the playoff position every single year. Um, that's tough to pass up. It, it's unlike the Yankees where they put together these mishmash of high dollar players that, you know, just don't seem to work out together. You know, maybe that's a little challenge to want to fix out, but it's always just seems to be just the weirdest combination of superstars on offense. Whereas here you've really built something that could work with maybe just the right hands on it. So it's, Mm -hmm. I, it's hard to believe why Milwaukee wouldn't be the more attractive option right now. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think the only thing that that could really kind of take him away from that would be if he has his heart set on that college route Mm -hmm. um, and being the head coach of a college program, because I mean, with, I mean, there's a lot that that goes on with college programs with, I mean, pay with work and, and, you know, how everything really kind of, happens there and I don't know entirely everything about it um, but I know that there's you know that there, there's kind of quite some lucrative stuff that can happen there um, so um, if you have your heart set on that and teaching the younger kids and, and kind of molding them then I mean that that's fine um, and, and the Brewers will have other candidates out there you know because you know not just for hires but really for everyone else you know this is kind of really a the most attractive option right now um, so I think that's something to, to really kind of look forward to and the Brewers should lean into. And, you know, Stern said that they're going to take their time, that, that they believe that there are a lot of really good candidates out there, um, and they're going to make the hire that, that they feel is best. So we'll see if they can snag hires or maybe if it's a Dustin Lind or uh, whoever it is, but uh, I'm excited to see it. Yeah, and for what it's worth, um, Buster Posey, who just announced uh, he's going to be retiring after 12 seasons, um, did have a lot of really good things to say recently about um, the uh, Giants hitting coaches. And so I think to have a guy like him speak that highly of them um, would hopefully make Brewers fans feel pretty good if one of them did end up ultimately being 
the guy hired by the Brewers. Yeah, yeah, it was um, it's uh, Downey Ecker, Dustin Lind, and uh, there's there's one more I, mm-hmm. I forget their name, um, but Downey Ecker has already been uh, hired by the Rangers uh, to be their bench coach uh, yes. and offensive coordinator, which is a fancy term for leading the the hitting approach. But I mean, they're they're borrowing an NFL term, uh, <laughs> calling him an offensive coordinator um, out there. But so like it it sounds like he's essentially the bench coach and the hitting coach. Um, which it's like, okay, but, um, so Ecker is off the board, but Dustin Lind is still there. Um, if they can snag him, I'm not sure, uh, if they can, but again, we'll see. Um, uh, they, they don't exactly make this, uh, major public knowledge. We're not the Mets. We don't know who all they're trying to interview or in the case of the Mets, who they're failing to interview. Um, did, did you Everyone. see that the, the Red Sox granted permission for the Mets to talk to Raquel Ferreira and she said, no. She's like, nah, I, I don't want to talk to you. Like, we gave you permission. Nah, I don't want it. You could be a GM. Nah, no, I'd rather be an assistant GM over here than be the GM over there. My God. Just. I don't it, blame it's her. It's hilarious. It's hilarious. No, me either. Yeah. It's like, it, God, it's crazy. Uh, anyways, um, so that's uh, it's fun times. Um Elsewhere in uh, Brewers news and Brewers free agent news, they have signed a free agent already. Oh, it is it is not even Thanksgiving by a long shot. And the Brewers have already signed their first major league contract in free agency. That's right. They got Trevor got. They got got. And you may be asking yourself, who in the hell is Trevor (laughs) got? I My answer for you is a dude, um, <laughs> a, a dude who spent most of last year, uh, pretty much all of last year in AAA uh, for San Francisco, put up some OK numbers, um, but his strikeout rate uh, really improved down there in AAA. Uh, there's reports that he really kind of changed up his arsenal um, a little bit. So the Brewers apparently saw something in, in him and saw something that they liked. And they decided to pursue him, and they signed him to a one-year split contract. Um, so, you know, it gives them the ability to send him back down to the minors. Um, but, yeah, a one-year split contract. Haven't seen details on the money yet, um, how much it would be if he's in the majors. Um, but um, he's a he's going to be a bullpen option for Craig Council for the Brewers. They're losing a couple of bullpen guys in, in Boxberger and Strickland. Um, and, uh, Daniel Norris, although he really wasn't much of a guy, um, Colin Ray, also not really much of a guy, but they're losing some depth options uh, that they had in, at their disposal. And, uh, Trevor Gott is going to add to that depth. Yeah. I uh, always been kind of a solid, uh, minor leader hasn't really put it together in the majors quite yet. Um, yeah, it's nice to see that. Um, so that K per nine has gone up, uh, last year it was at about 11 and a half. Never really a guy to give up a lot of homers. Um, he's always kept that, you know, in the, for the most part, 0.5 or under, although it crept up, was still a little, still less than one home run per nine, which is solid enough. Um, his walks per nine has kind of been across the board. So um, it's a guy I'm not super familiar with, like most of us. Um, he is only 29, so that's good. Um, I, I think the interesting part is the fact that he was, offered a major league contract 
right away. Um, and it seems like Stearns always does that to, you know, a couple players over the offseason where you get a guy and you're like, oh, major league contract. Really? That's OK. Um, the agent's just like, take it while you can. Yeah. And, and, and then but some of those players don't actually even end up making it to opening day. So I, that's where I think with this, it's interesting. We'll see, you know, if once he gets in camp, you know, if he shows a little bit of what the Brewers thought uh, when they were going after him. But if he doesn't, it's probably not going to be the worst thing in the world. And they can, you know, do what needs to be done. So, um, but like, again, we were kind of talking earlier about how, you know, they could decide to try and invest a little bit in that bullpen and try and bolster it up a little bit. And, you know, that's a smaller move um, compared to what I was talking earlier, but um, yeah, you never know. We've, we've seen guys come out of nowhere plenty of times for the Brewers. So uh, we'll see if this one is too. Yeah. I mean, we'll see what happens. I mean, obviously with like, like with a lot of Stearns as free agent deals, you know, at the beginning, we're just kind of like, huh, why, mm-hmm. you know, like, like when the Brewers got to have a sale Garcia, it's like, well, we have Braun and Yelich and Kane. Why do we need to sign Avisel Garcia? You know, and it turns out, you know, hey, maybe this was actually a, you know, pretty, pretty solid signing. Um, although it didn't look that way in 2020 because he was kind of having a rough year there. Um, but, mm. you know, sometimes they, they may look odd to begin with, but then you look closer and it's like, this definitely seems like a Stearns guy. It seems like a Brewers type of guy and mm. type of move. So it's like it's almost like we should have seen this coming. Yeah, I mean, look at last offseason um, when they went and traded for Derek Fisher, of all guys. We've already got yeah. plenty of outfielders at that point. Um, but Fisher, you know, gets to be, you know, on the 40 man roster and actually competing for a spot. Um, ultimately, he starts off injured, you know, ends up uh, finally playing a couple games, but then being DFA'd, ends up going down to AAA and, you know, the rest is kind of history. But that that was exactly one of those types of moves where you're like, oh, oh okay, that seems weird. But I guess we'll like, see why are we giving up a out. player? For, like, like my question was like, why are we giving up a player for this dude? Or, or like, why are right. we trading for him? You know, why not just wait till he's a free agent or something? And it's like, okay, like like when Stearns was in the front office in Houston, um, you know, this was a a high draft pick for Houston. Mm-hmm. So this is someone that that he knows that, that he likes. And it's like, yeah, maybe we, you know, there, there's still some talent in there. Maybe we can get it out of him. Uh, they weren't able to, um, but, you know, it's it's like, OK, like I, I can kind of see where you're coming from here. Um, and also, really, honestly, I just kind of think they thought all their original uh, backup outfield options sucked. Yeah, like they they, they thought Taylor and McKinney and Ray and whoever else all they had is just like, eh, I don't know if I really like any of these guys. Like, like let's try to bring in someone else. Like, you know, they brought in Tim Lopes, too, and, and Lopes mm-hmm. is just kind of up and down and um, not really doing anything. Um, so it's like, you got all these guys. You don't really like any of them. You know, try to bring in someone else. And then Tyrone Taylor just went out and proved everyone wrong um, in, yeah. in spring training and in the regular season. So I uh, certainly was uh, excited to see that from him. And, I mean, it's kind of a late bloomer. And, you know, it's it's kind of weird to see a late bloomer from a high school draft picks. I mean, Taylor was drafted all the way back in like what, 2012, mm-hmm. um, like out of high school. Like it, it's a long ass time for him to, you know, have been in the minors and like been seen as such a big prospect. And then just now being, a, being able to get the chance to, you know, prove that he's a big leaguer when he's like 27, 
I think he's 27 now. Um, it, it's just, you know, some guys take a little bit longer, but that talent's there. Yeah. It, but it, to that point, like it, it is understandable that last off season Stearns would have thought that he needs to uh, bolster the outfield depth, even past the starters, because if that, you know, a 2012 draft pick is the, your best backup option past your kind of highest level. Um, yeah, of course, you're going to want to add to it. So then that brings you back to got, uh, you know, we've got guys that we think are clear starters, clear back end of the bullpen, a couple of extra guys um, that are very likely to get spots for 2022. Um, but past that, the bullpen depth isn't exactly exploding when you're looking at the minor leagues and beyond. So, yeah, um, yeah you bring in a few guys and you see which ones work. And if they don't work, then you move on because you weren't you didn't sign them to that big a contract anyway. So, yeah, um, it's fine. We'll see if it works. And if it doesn't, this is not the biggest deal in the world. Yeah, that, that bullpen depth really took a huge hit when they traded away Fire Eisen and, and Rasmussen. Mm-hmm. Um, those are two big guys that are kind of depending on. But you got a pretty good starting shortstop in return, so it all really kind of kind of works out in the end. Yep. Um, and speaking of the bullpen depth, one of their uh, bullpen options uh, from the past uh, two years, Eric Yardley, has elected free agency after being outrighted off the 40-man roster, uh, along with Luke Maley. Um, he was outrighted, um, and oh no. Uh, yeah, Yardley elected free agency. Um, but Maley has also elected free agency after being outrighted. And with Manny Pena hitting free agency, that means your boy, Mario Feliciano, is, is number two on the depth chart. I don't know if he'll stay that way, but I like hearing it right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and he, uh, like we talked about uh, last week, he's getting a little... Uh, little bit better in Arizona Fall League, so kind of coming back from that injury a little bit and showing some things. I don't know if uh, – I, I know he's on the 40-man roster, um, so they're starting to burn his options. Um, so I don't know if he actually ends up being the backup catcher. I'm sure there will be some plenty out there. Um, your backup catcher you can sign, you know, they don't need to be a giant slugger or anything like that. Make them be solid defensively and call good games pitching – um, and plug them in behind Narvaez. That's generally what you're looking for. Um, as much as I hope that Feliciano, they think Feliciano's ready because I'd love to see him, um, I don't know if that's necessarily <laughs> what's in the cards, but uh, it's exciting for me right now. You know you know, I love my uh, offensive catchers, so. Um, I know you do. I, I want to see, see him eventually be there and doing well. Yeah, we, we need to get you a Feliciano jersey. You know, once he gets up and, and establishes himself in the oh. big leagues, we, we need to get you a Feliciano jersey. Oh, hundred percent. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'll be, I'll be running. I will be the Forrest Gump meme or gif just sprinting <laughs> down the road to get that. Uh, yeah. Running to the jersey. team store. Yep. I can yeah. make it in about if I were running, I think I'd make it there in about 20 minutes. Solid. Yeah. It, w- it would take me a lot longer considering I'm sitting <laughs> in Madison right now. Um, Slightly. Yeah. I, I would definitely take the car. Uh, <laughs> I would not be running. Oh man. Uh, but yeah, so, you know, with Maley gone, um, you know, because they burned up Maley's final option this year, so he has no options left. Um, so it makes sense, like, kind of, you know, okay, move on from him. Perhaps they'll sign someone else kind of similar to Maley's situation last year where he has an option remaining, has some big league experience. Uh, the, the catcher free agent market is not super great um, th- this offseason. Perhaps they try to bring back Pena 
um, for another year. You know, that that's a possibility. Um, but I mean, with, with Pena here, that's certainly going to prevent uh, Feliciano from being called up unless there's an injury, um, which means you burn another year for Feliciano down the minors. And if he proves he's ready, you know, then what? You know, th- th- then then you got to find a spot for him um, or move mm. someone else. So that's uh, kind of, kind of a difficult situation. So I I love Pena, but uh, I I just don't see him coming back. No, especially at that age. I mean, we we knew at some point that they were going to have to move on, and so um, I think there were even questions last off season. Um, when it came to he was, uh, I believe, going through the arbitration process about, you know, are they going to tender or non-tender him? Um, and, and they end up bringing him back. So um, he has been on borrowed time as it is for a little bit. And, you know, outside of some flashes here and there, it's not like you're losing an offensive powerhouse by any means. You're losing an amazing uh, clubhouse guy in him. That's the biggest thing. That's kind of a bummer. Um, but it, as we've shown that um, that clubhouse culture always persists, even as some of uh, those guys end up moving on in their careers. So um, I, I don't see them coming back either. I think they go a different direction. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate. And he's the longest tenured brewer. But uh, that, that tenures, you know, it's going to come to an end. I mean, he's he's 34. I think this is going to be his first time for free agency. He was signed um as a international free agent i believe in 2004 and he is just now reaching the chance where he can choose what team he goes to he hasn't been able to choose what team he's on since 2004 when he was a teenager signed out of uh, venezuela i mean that's it's a long time yeah it kind of reminds you of junior guerra a little bit when he was coming up because he you know finally started really making his way into the big leagues at a relatively quote unquote old age for baseball players. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, at least like he like had like free agency a bunch of times and could kind of choose who he signed with. Mm -hmm. I mean, Pena has been an affiliate of all the whole time and it's just been, no, you're, you're traded here. You know, you're being sent here and and you're going here. And, um, you know, now, now Pena can, can choose that on his own. And I, I think, you know, good for him. You know, he's, he's certainly earned it. Um, you know, I, I think he proved himself capable of being a starter a couple of times, you know, back there in 2017 or so. And the Brewers just kept on trying to get other guys to to block him. Like, you know, they, they went and got Yosemite Grandal. Uh, they went and got um, Omar Narvaez. And it's just like every time it's like, OK, you know, Pena could be a starter and we just got someone better. <laughs> um, so now you're you're the backup again. And I mean, it, it makes for a very capable backup and a very good backup. But um, I think for Pena, especially considering the lack of options on the free agent market this offseason, there could be teams that are that are looking for a catcher that could try to sign him to be their starter. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he's shown at times that he's capable of playing long stretches, um, contributing where needed. He's we know he's one of the best defensive catchers around. Um, I, I was going back uh, kind of on some older articles and had seen one about how um, there should have been a good chance of him being uh, considered for a gold glove back in 2018, to be honest, um, with how much he played and how well he did. Um, so it, that's something that's, you know, a lot of teams value, especially a lot of young teams. Like I could see uh, a, a team that, it, you know, isn't quite 
ready to contend or maybe about to start contending, but has a lot of, you know, kind of some of the younger pitching that needs to develop, bring in a guy like Pina um, and really teach them how to, you know, effectively throw a game. I think that it'd be big for a lot of teams out there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we'll, we'll kind of see what happens this off season and we'll obviously keep everyone uh, apprised of uh, the free agent movement uh, surrounding uh, the, the brewers. And, you know, there's a lot more free free agents out there now. Uh, Abby Garcia joining the list, Luke Maley, Eric Yardley, um, as, as we've kind of talked about here in this episode. So um, there, there's going to be a lot happening this winter. Um, the Brewers have, you know, plenty of moves to make and, you know, we'll see what happens in the next few days with Abis- with Abisail Garcia because the Brewers have to make a decision on that uh, qualifying offer by, I believe, uh, the 7th or the 8th here. Um, so by the end of this weekend, um, I believe they're going to have to uh, make a decision um, on uh, giving Garcia that qualifying offer. So we'll see what happens. Um, there's going to be uh, a lot to discuss about that, and we'll be discussing it next week. Um, we'll be discussing it plenty on Reviewing the Brew, um, where both Matt and I are the editors. Matt is back, in case you forgot about that. But Matt is there uh, editing again, writing more often. We've missed your article so much, man. I And I've missed writing. It's, that was one of the biggest bummers uh, kind of this last summer was I had to put something that I really enjoyed doing kind of on the back burner. Um, to focus on work, but uh, no, I'm so happy to be digging back into it again. So ready to put out some content. Yeah, let's do it. We got plenty of content coming up. Uh, Thank you for listening to the cold brew podcast. Um, And thank you for listening to us throughout the whole season Um, and going forward this off season. We're excited to bring you plenty of stuff. Um, So looking forward to it. Be sure to uh, follow us on Twitter. I am at DGasper24. Matt is at MKEMatt. 13. We'll see you next time for another episode of the Cold Brew Podcast.